Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you enjoy it. Oh, that's so nice. Um, good morning, I am Toby, and it's great to see you all. Um, just want to extend my welcome to you. Uh, if you're here today for the first time, thousands of time, uh, it's great to see you here. Um, I'm a teacher at a local school uh, just down the road at um, Bishop One School. I see a few of my students are here today. Great to see you. More than welcome. Um, and we're going to dive in today to look at that passage from Acts. Um, we've had a few issues with technology today. I normally have a little clicky pen thing to move the slides along, which I've had huge issues with today. But my brother Rick's at the back is uh, on this. So if I do this during the talk, it's to move the slide on. So if it looks a little strange that I'm doing one of those, don't worry about it. It's not a, a twitch. Um, it's hoping to move them on. We're going to start with a bit of word association today. I've played this game before. It's very simple. I'll give you a word. Just call out the first word that comes to your head. Start with a nice simple one. Cabbage. Green. Adidas. Traffic jams. Cracker Jack. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Any more? Vegetable. Good. Okay. Let's have one more. Megan, Markle, Wedding, Harry, nice, Suits, yeah, great show. Um, one more, Australia, Neighbours, Boomerangs, okay, this is good, this is good. Upside down, I like that one. Um, the next one, don't call out, just have a think about the next one. The next word is mission. Oh, boom, there it is. <laughs> Just think about that one. But thank you. It's a good one. Uh, mission's an interesting word. It's a word that's changed connotations, I would say, um, especially with teenagers I work with um, in previous uh, recent years. Um, when I hear students I work with use the word mission, it's often in a negative way. If I say, oh, uh, today's lesson, we're going up to the top of the seafloor, top of the school, I often hear the response, the seafloor? That's a bit of a mission, isn't it? That's a bit of a mission. I've got to walk there today. That's a bit of a mission. Um, and, and often today, in today's culture, especially with the young people I work with, mission has connotations of effort, and it's not rewarding, um, it's pointless, it's tiresome, etc. When I was younger, mission was an awesome word. In our youthful ignorance in primary school, me and my mates Gordon and Christopher used to play armies. We'd walk around the playground with fake AK-47s and pretend to like swing through ravines and uh, rescue people and shoot people and stuff like that. So mission for me was a, an exciting word. Um, and then when I became a teenager, still, I think we're having issues again. If the pictures all appear at once, it's not the end of the world, guys, don't panic. Oh, no, we're good. Um, and I also, at the weekends when I was a teenager, me and my best friend Lee, um, what we would do for fun on a Saturday while everyone else was playing football or trying to meet girls, we would pick a point on the horizon as far away as we could see, and try and walk there in as straight a line as possible, no matter what got in the way. So we'd go through farms, gardens, crossroads, etc. That was our idea, of, our idea of fun on a Saturday, and we would see that as a little mission that we were going on. So mission really should have connotations for us of action, adventure, teamwork, danger, excitement. Um, and hopefully you get a bit of that today from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by a guy called Luke, um, who's a historian and a doctor, and he wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. I love the style of Acts. It kind of starts with, 
These are the last things that Jesus did and said, and then zoomed straight into the mission of the early church. Their mission was to go around there, spread the good news of Jesus, and grow the church for Jesus. And it's a very exciting read. Now, this mission is one that's been going on for 2,000 years, and if you are a Christian here today, it is a mission that you are immediately signed up to and you are a part of. Now, every mission and every good sermon has three main points. When we come to missions, we think about the mission objective. What is the objective of the mission? What are we trying to achieve? Secondly, it's the strategy. How are we going to achieve this goal? How are we going to achieve this objective? And thirdly, it's the outcome. What are the intended outcomes of our mission? And that's what we're going to unpack a little bit of today from the book of Acts. Now, there's two passages we're looking at in Acts, in Acts 1 and 2, if you want to keep them on your, uh, in your Bible open in front of you. We're going to jump around a little bit today as well, because actually in the first passage from Acts, it references two other passages. Now, I'm not going to go over time. That's my plan. Um, we're going to keep it short and concise today, but it would be worth noting down the passages to have private study at home, to open them up and get a bit more depth into what we're looking at today. Right, let's start with the mission objective. Um, Acts 1 verse 9, uh, it says here that after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to his disciples, um, Jesus went off. Now, when we look at this word here, instructions, most scholars who've written about this passage say that what Luke is referring to here is what's called the Great Commission, which we find at the end of Mark's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel in two different versions. We're going to look at Matthew's Gospel today. So if you have a Bible there, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of your days. That is the mission. Our mission, as part of the church, the church's mission, is to go out there and make disciples to spread the good news of Jesus, and to encourage people to join Jesus' kingdom. That is the mission. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is a pretty hard mission. That is a tough mission. Some would go as far to say, that's mission impossible. That is too hard. I don't know how often you've had the experience of talking to people about Jesus, um, and I, I've done it a lot of it in my lifetime, going to, to talk to people about Jesus, and I often get the same barriers pop up straight away. The classic one is, boom, science, as if I, I, someone finds out I'm a Christian, and then science, that's all you need, mate, just science, back off now. I was in a pub once, and someone found out I was an RE teacher, and they said to me, RE? They still do religious education at school, but... Haven't you been told that science has disproved religion? I'll tell you, I just, they, <laughs> that's an astounding statement. But some people genuinely believe that, that some scientific fact or explanation has now disproved religion and there's no need for it anymore. And some people have that at the back of their mind. That's a big barrier for some people to the Christian faith. The second one is the connotations that they have with religious uh, and religion and violence. So the two things, religion and violence, are intertwined. And you can see why when you put on the news and you hear about ISIS in the Middle East and atrocities uh, done under the, the, the title of religion. When we look back in history to the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition, other dark times in the history of Christianity, you could see why it's left a bit of a bad taste in people's mouth. And so when you want to tell people about how amazing Jesus is, 
Sometimes these are barriers. It's things like, uh, is Christianity relevant today? Is its teachings on sexuality, on relationships, on drugs, are they appropriate for today's audience? Is it a bit outdated? These are all barriers that people have uh, to the Christian faith. Now, me personally, I want to see people made disciples. I want to see people understand the love of God. I want them to come in here and hear about Jesus, hear about what he has done for them, how much he loves them, and that once they know the love of God and they're, they're, they're firm in God's hand, then there's nothing that can separate them from that love. They're saved once and forever. I believe that Christianity is the, the most life-saving, life-changing message that anyone could ever hear, and I think everyone needs to hear it. But if I'm honest, it's hard to do this mission. It's hard to go out there. And I almost feel like, because it's such an impossible mission, is God setting us up here to fail? Is he sending us off to do something that we're not going to be able to do? Um, when I was younger, I worked on a building site. And in my first week on the building site, I was sent to go off and collect two things and bring them back. They were a sky hook and a skirting board ladder. Yes, I have a picture of a skirting board ladder here. Um, looks a little bit like this, uh, but they don't actually exist, it seems. So I was sent off, and I came back, and everyone laughed at me. And I think, is that what Jesus is doing? Is he sending us off on a mission that's impossible? At school, we're, we're told when we're giving activities out to students to make them high challenge, low stress. High challenge, low stress. Is, to me, I think Jesus is setting us off here on high stress, high challenge. This is an impossible task. But Thank God for Mark chapter 10. They're talking about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, yeah, with man, it's impossible. It is. It's impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. And so, it's not mission impossible. It can't be. It is very much mission possible. This is something that is achievable. It's something that we can do, that we should get excited about, because we're not being set up to fail. God wouldn't do that to us. When he sets us off to do something, it will work out. He has a plan, and we can trust that plan. So that's our objective. Our objective is very simple, to go out there, spread the good news, and grow the church. But what is the plan? This is where we need to look to a different passage now. Um, he says in the passage there in Acts, uh, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which I have spoken about. Again, scholars, when he uses those words, I have spoken about, they look to John 15 into John 16. You might want to make a note of this to look at later on. Um, but John 15, verse 26, through to 16, uh, verse 15. Now, in this passage, Jesus talks about an advocate. He says, it's a He's basically explaining to the disciples that I'm going to go, all right, guys? I am going to leave. I'm going to go for a bit. But, but don't worry, because it's good that I go, because once I go, I can send you the advocate. The advocate will come. And then Jesus, throughout these two chapters, starts to explain who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is going to do when he gets here. Now, the word he uses to describe the Holy Spirit is the word advocate. In the Greek, is palakletos, which literally means someone who comes alongside you in a court of justice and speaks on your behalf. And this is the analogy, this is the image that Jesus used to describe who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. I used to work in a school in Exeter, uh, and in Exeter, in this school, students were allowed a telephone on them. They were allowed a mobile in their pocket. But if they got their phone out, it had to be confiscated by a teacher. And I had an experience with a year 10 class where a girl had a phone out, and I had to confiscate it. So I took it off her, and I put it in my pocket. I didn't look at it, and I put it straight in. The lesson continued, and when it got to the end, I said, oh, here's your phone back. 
And I, I looked at it as I gave it to her, and the screen was cracked. And I was like, oh, dear. Was that cracked when I put it in my pocket, or is it somehow cracked in my pocket? This is not good. She looked very upset. She went off. I was like, oh, I think that's going to come back on me. At the end of the day, I got a phone call from the receptionist. She said, um, Mr. Wood, there's a man down here who's very angry and very unpleasant. And he says that you've smashed his daughter's phone. Um, and he wants to see you right now. And I, literally, I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh no, oh this is not good, this is not good. So I went to a colleague of mine, a lady called Jan, amazing woman, and I said, Jan, look, this guy's downstairs, and the phone, and it's cracked, and he's described as angry and unpleasant, with very in front of both of those words. And Jan said, don't worry, Toby, I'll calm down, man, I'll speak to him for you. I was like, thank you so much, Jan. So we went downstairs, and I do remember this. Jan walked ahead of me, and I did hide behind her, just kind of moving forward. Now, this guy was so angry that it was visible. You've ever met someone like that before, a crimson face, that just squared up, real angry. Jan started speaking to him. Let's go sit down. She just, in a few words, explained the situation. She said, look, your, your daughter had her phone out, and one of the school rules is she can't have her phone out, and so it was confiscated. And unfortunately, while it was confiscated, the screen broke. But if she didn't have it out in the first place, the screen wouldn't have broken. And I was thinking, he's not going to buy that. He's not going to buy that at all. But actually, I looked past her to him, and his just appearance changed. He calmed right down, shoulders went down, and he looked to his daughter and went, yeah, to be fair, mate, shouldn't have had your phone out, really. That's why it's broken. Yeah, thank you for that. And I've never seen anything like that, but that when I thought of this word advocate, I went straight back to that memory, because that is what the Holy Spirit does. We go out there and speak about Jesus, but the more important job is being done by the Holy Spirit who is speaking to the heart of the person we are speaking to and making that change. That's what the Holy Spirit does. At Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the church because this is when the Holy Spirit came down and now he's accessible to all of us who call ourselves Christians. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Oh, yeah, let's pause there for a second. Have you ever heard the expression before, I'll be there in spirit? Oh, I'm so sorry, I can't make your birthday party. Yeah, I've got something else on, but don't worry, I'll be there in spirit. Oh, is it your, your stag do next weekend or your hen do? Ah, oh, yeah, I'm busy actually, but I'll be there in spirit. Now, no one who has ever said that has ever meant it. No one. Because your spirit is where your body is. So if your body is not at the birthday party, you are not there in spirit because your spirit is very much intrinsically linked to your body. In fact, the only person who's ever said this and meant it was Jesus. When he said, I will be there in spirit. Surely I am with you always, Matthew 28 verse 20, to the very end of this age. I will be there. And when he said that, he meant it. When he speaks in John about, I'm going away, but don't worry, because I'm sending the Spirit, he meant it. When we go out and talk to people about Jesus, we know that Jesus is there with us, and he is speaking through the Holy Spirit on behalf of God. Now, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings films. Um, and in the Lord of the Rings film, if you haven't seen it, there is, uh, it's basically about a bunch of guys and a couple of elves who go off on a mission. And off they go. They've got a mission to achieve. They're going to take this gold ring to a mountain. It's, it's complicated. You don't need to know that. But they're off that way. And they've got this wizard with them called Gandalf. And Gandalf is the man because Gandalf has got wizardry powers. 
just appropriate in a church context, for the sake of the analogy, I think it is. So he's got these wizardry powers, and, and every time something goes wrong, you know it's going to be all right, because Gandalf is going to fix it every single time. And then this horrible thing happens during the Fellowship of the Ring, where Gandalf goes to battle this Balrog, this big thing, and the Balrog, basically, you think, kills Gandalf. And suddenly, the group is missing Gandalf, and you just think, they are never going to complete this mission. Not without Gandalf. This is going to be impossible now. This is how I imagine the disciples felt when Jesus went. So Jesus is there. He's like, right, guys, this is the mission, right? Go into the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Bye. <laughs> it's gone. I imagine the ascension, if you picture the ascension, disciples are on a hill outside Jerusalem. Jesus gives them this last order, and he starts to ascend. It would not have been out of character for Peter to have run over, grabbed Jesus' foot, and just got, no, Jesus, you've got to stay here. We've got a mission to complete. We can't do this without you. But that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus with us by his Spirit speaking on our behalf. When we read in John 16 about what the Holy Spirit is going to do, it's amazing. It's a long passage. It's worth reading later on. But Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify about me. He will prove to the world that they are wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. I'm a big superhero fan, and I know there's a few others here as well, Charlie, Ricks, yes, uh, who love superheroes. If you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War yet, it's amazing. Um, I was thinking, if I was on a mission, I would want some superpowers, definitely. Now, what would be the most useful superpowers if I'm going out into the world to make disciples of all nations? Well, I would like to speak powerfully about Jesus, and I would like some extra power that proved to people that they were wrong about the life choices that they had made, that they were wrong about what being good looks like, that they were wrong about their potential moral set of standards, that they were wrong about when they die, there might be judgment afterwards. Now, this is the superpower that God has, that he is able through the Holy Spirit to do these things. I don't have these powers, but God does, and God lives in me. Isn't that wonderful? And so it is 100% mission possible. Being a disciple must have been one jaw-dropping moment to another. Just picture that. They're on a boat. Storm is coming down. Jesus says, quiet, be still. (gasps) Later on, Jesus heals a man who has got leprosy. (gasps) Jesus rises from the dead. (gasps) Jesus ascends into heaven. (gasps) Now, I think we should forgive the disciples, the fact that they're there. Did you see that? Staring at the sky after Jesus leaves. That's completely understandable. And then two angels appear, and I said this earlier, it's just reminding me of Roe so much. What are you doing looking at the sky? Go. Jesus has given you a mission, guys. Don't stand there looking at the sky. Go. Now, this is a lesson for us today, and Rose, I know a big advocate of this message because we've spoken about this many times. In church, when you're in love with God and you're worshiping God, very tempted to stay in that zone and looking up there and not thinking about outside. Actually, it's so important that with worshiping God, we then put that into action. So the main message I want to give you today, we know our objective, our main strategy for achieving this mission is pray and go. You've heard of wash and go? This is pray and go. 
We experience God, we speak to him, and then we go and we do something about it. Don't stand there looking at the sky. Go, get on. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that Jesus was a man for the outsider, and so the church should be the church for the outsiders. We exist not for us, but for those outside of us. And it's so important to remember that. Pray and go. Our objective, spread the message of Jesus, grow the church. Our strategy, pray, and through the Holy Spirit, go. So you've got to look at that like two train lines together. One is prayer, one is action. We pray about it, we go. What is the outcome of this? Well, do you know what? We don't convert people to Christianity. We don't change people's minds. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is just to speak about Jesus. So actually, the only outcome we need to think about when we're going to talk to people about Jesus is that people are hearing about Jesus. I don't think there is higher worship than going into the world and proclaiming the fundamental truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus' love and God's love is amazing and is open to everyone because of Jesus' sacrifice. Just going out and speaking those truths into the world is one of the highest worships you can do. I don't think there's much more you can do that is higher than that. Now, what to take away from today? Pray and go. Pray for opportunities to speak to people about Jesus. I believe this is the fastest answered prayer every time. I prayed that prayer once in Exeter. I said, God, give me the opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus today. I opened the door, and there was a handbag on the floor of the street outside my house. I picked it up, went through it, found a phone number, called the phone number. It was this girl's bag. I said, oh, hey, I found your handbag. I'll bring it to you. I took it to her, and she said, oh, let me give you some money for a reward. I said, no, no, just give me six minutes of your time so I can talk to you about Jesus. Put a timer on, spoke to her for six minutes about Jesus. That's quite an extreme case. However, I do believe if you pray for opportunities to speak about Jesus, they will pop up. Pray for your friends and family. You should have a list, or this is a good idea, a list of three people who don't know Jesus yet, who you spend regular time with, and just pray for them. Pray for a softening of their heart. Pray for opportunities to share Jesus with them. Go. Talk to people about Jesus. The best way to talk to, about, to talk to people about Jesus, to make it natural, is to read the Bible often. And the reason for that is you will find there are opportunities when you talk to people to bring the Bible up. You'll just think of things that you've read that day or the day before, and you'll think, oh yeah, there's a bit in the Bible that says, and I believe that is the best way in to talk to people in a natural way about Jesus. I'm very aware that some of you are terrified at the prospect of talking to people about Jesus. That's, that's understandable. The disciples were with Jesus for three years before they had to go and do any um, evangelism without him around. So that is understandable, and it takes time to get there. So for a starting point, what would be really great is you make sure that your life speaks of the love of Jesus. So the choices you make and your care for others speaks volumes about Jesus' love. I went into school this week, and it's exam season, and everyone's stressed, and I walk into the staff room, and there's this massive hamper, and it's got popcorn, Pringles, cookies, selection of different types of teas in there, coffee, it's amazing. I'm like, oh, look at this sick hamper, who's this from? Open up the card, thinking of you all through GCSE time, from St. Saviour's Church. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's wicked, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important to talk to people about Jesus, but it's so important as well that our actions and our choices and the relationships we build just echo Jesus' love. Pray and go. And of course, the last thing I want to talk about today, 
I don't think you are going to have a better opportunity to share Jesus with others this decade than Joy at Kempton Park. If you think about all the gifts that God has given people and sent all of them to Sunbury on that particular weekend on our doorstep to be able to just say to someone, hey, I'm going to this thing on Sunday the 17th. Joy at Kempton Park. Do you want to come down? It's going to be fun. This is a huge, huge opportunity for you all, all of us together. Pray and go. That brings me to the end. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviourssummary.org.uk.